Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on our on today's topic and just about any of the issues you might read or tweet or post or hear about, check us out online at texaspolicy.com. Today we're going to break down healthcare policy. So that's a lot. Where do we start? So I know this will seem groundbreaking, but often we find that the discussions about changing public policy rarely actually include the people who have to deal with the policy most directly. So I've asked an actual doctor to come on and help us break down a healthcare policy. Uh, Dr. Cliff Porter, uh, I'm just going to read. I got your bio from your website, which I thought was fantastic. So I don't normally do this. I'll, I usually uh, try to paraphrase, but I just want to read it because I thought it was great. Dr. Cliff Porter is the managing partner and founder of Texas Direct Medical Care. Prior to opening Texas Direct Medical Care, Dr. Porter was medical director for several urgent care clinics in Travis County. Before settling permanently in Austin, Dr. Porter was an Army physician uh, stationed just up the road from us in Austin and at Fort Hood, uh, practicing full-service family medicine, taking care of all ages of active duty soldiers and their families, including retirees in primary care, hospital admissions, emergency medicine, intensive care, as well as obstetrics, delivering babies in the middle of the night. So that's quite, that's quite the, uh, the breadth of, of uh, experience that you have. Welcome, Dr. Porter. Well, thanks. Appreciate it, Brian. So just in the interest of full disclosure, of course, Dr. Porter is also is a friend of the foundation, but also a financial supporter. But I think that helps us highlight how we at TPPF have access to folks like Dr. Porter, who really are on the ground navigating these policies that come down from D.C. and the state legislature. So it helps better for us at TPPF to better uh, craft those solutions. So, um, you know, right off the top, but first, I'd like to have our audience get to know you a little bit better. So tell us about just your interest in the medical field and how you came to be a doctor you know, in the first place. Well, it's a, kind of a long story. I actually had partly to do with the, the war on terrorism actually brought me into medicine. I was in the Army Reserve. My civilian job was downsized, of all things. And then a friend of mine said, gee, would the Army pay for medicine? And so it led to a, a long, curious, I tell people it was an involuntary midlife crisis. <laughs> so I kind of want to have a voluntary one sometime. And how long but, have you been in private practice then? Um, in private practice, uh, I started in uh, late 2019, mm-hmm. um, roughly around the same time as COVID was starting in, uh, in China. But before then, I had uh, spent about a year with um, Travis County, uh, their community care uh, clinics, running mm-hmm. their urgent care before that uh, a year and a half or so with urgent care clinics a little before that. And prior to that, uh, full service medicine and, uh, at Fort Hood. So Texas Direct Medical Care is what people call a, or at least in the industry, is known as a direct primary care organization. Now, direct primary care sounds pretty innocuous. Everybody probably thinks they already have direct primary care, right? Like you've got a primary care physician. But that actually is a term of art or a phrase of art uh, in the industry. Can you break down for us what people mean when they say direct primary care? Very simply, it's a membership-based medical practice where people just pay a low monthly membership fee, and that covers all of their primary and urgent care. I explicitly tell people we do urgent care because so people are used to the regular corporate type clinics where Mm -hmm. primary care is where you wait for one to two weeks to get an appointment for a strep throat, and then they run off to a mini clinic or some other place. Mm -hmm. I do all general practical medicine. So when you think of old school medicine, although I promise I've read a book recently, it's not that old school, (laughs) but uh, all the old school medicine that you expect from your local physician is what we do. It's really going back to a simple basis, eliminating so much of the problems we're seeing in modern medicine, which makes it more 
guess you could call it obstructive in a way, mm-hmm. cumbersome, difficult, slow to get access, and then really fast to useless appointments. So what, what you said subscription service. I mean, right. is this Netflix for, for broken bones or what is what uh, do you mean by subscription? A Netflix for broken bones. I like that. I'm going to adopt <laughs> that. Uh, one is phrase is a gym membership with your a doctor mm-hmm. and um there's a lot of places where you pay a, a monthly fee then you have a certain amount of access for us it's quite simple you know 80 dollars a month for an adult and that that membership allows all kinds of um access to care that is almost instantaneous whether it's an inpatient visit a text a phone call or whatever it is mm-hmm. and just kind of juxtapose it with what most people have been used to over years uh, decades now what people think the way medicine is no no it's only a couple generations old uh, when you go in to see a doctor, there's um, uh, how the physician or the clinic gets paid is they do their charting, they submit for billing. So when you go in and they ask all you those crazy questions, and there's some crazy questions that Medicare <laughs> Medicaid sort of requires and insurance have adopt that. And they ask you all kinds of questions, you know, how, do you smoke, do you drink normal stuff? And uh, sometimes they'll start asking other questions about um, your social circumstance. You think that's kind of invasive. Why do they need that? Mm-hmm. It's f- to make the chart larger so they can submit a bigger bill. Mm. Well, insurance and Medicare, they want to reduce it. And so ultimately what happens is physicians have to go as fast and as efficient as possible, see as many people as possible in order to get, um, you know, to get paid and actually pay the bills. Well, by doing a membership base, all of that goes away. So most people, when they talk to their they want to call a physician, hey, I need to refill my blood pressure medicine or something mm-hmm. simple, heartburn medicine, whatever it is. They make you come in and you have to go through the whole procedure again. So you, then you have to pay your copay, you know, your 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 at the door, depending if you've met your deductible. Mm-hmm. And that's all for a refill. Well, when you take that away and you do a membership based, that's gone. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that whole cumbersome structure just to get people billing. Someone, right. So people will actually text me for a refill, and I did it on my, on my cell phone. I refilled a guy's uh, cholesterol medicine. So it's much simpler. So direct primary care really is, I mean, this necessity is the mother of invention, and direct primary care is really an innovation because of a lot of these things that you're talking about, these, these problems, the bureaucracy, the weight lines, yes. the insurance, and all that. So that's what I want to get to. That's what I think our listeners are really interested in, which is, you know, there's two real, you know, problems with healthcare. One, of course, is the cost of healthcare and how much everything, you know, is so 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 much higher and you see the charts that are just, you know, the, the expansion in the cost of uh, healthcare has gone crazy. And then also accessibility, right? Because we at TPPF like to say coverage isn't care. And which of course right. means just because you have something called insurance doesn't necessarily mean you can actually get care. So let's take the first one. Uh, you know, you, you've hit on a couple of those themes, so feel free to, you know, hit them again. But, but this idea that, you know, healthcare is just out of control in terms of the cost. What, you know, how do you control costs or how do you, how did you, when you were, you know, working for hospitals and working for clinics and others outside of DPC, you know, what, when did you start to experience the issues that you were seeing were creating this sort of explosion in cost? Well, right at the beginning of being involved in medicine, all the rules we had to follow and all the charting that we had to do, there's so much charting involved. Electronic medical records uh, were designed to things make things more efficient, but not for medicine. It seemed to be more for billing, mm-hmm. but including the government, which does the same thing. You think of military medicine, you think of, you know, forward deployed medicine, but the vast majority of it is like the VA, mm. except half the guys are wearing uniform. And it's uh, very similar just to corporate structure. Large bureaucracies, whether it's government or private sector, are adding more and more layers to try and make things more efficient or just make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And so all the various middlemen of different types, bureaucratic structure, are all adding their little parts of it and delaying care. So what they're trying, where do they make the efficiencies out of it? Well, make the doctor see patients in five to 10 minutes. 
And one of the ways I saw it done, and it's being done a great deal in what I call corporate medicine or uh, large clinics run by large equity firms and so forth. What they'll do is they want the primary care to bring people in, either prescribe a drug or do a referral and move on, not do any long-term care. And that's losing what a real family medicine really does. So a referral is actually what they prefer because you come, you come into the doctor, whatever to say your heart's beating fast, palpitations, this is actually a case I had. And the corporate clinic or the government clinic is, oh, that's a, a heart. I recognize that from uh, anatomy class. Therefore, go see a cardiologist, uh, leave your $50 copay at the door, and then go pay another copay at the cardiologist, and there's further and further tests. Well, in my clinic, I got an EKG. It cost me half a penny of paper and electrons to do a quick EKG to see if something, this is a 30-year-old person who is having these heart racing. And so an EKG, see if something they're born with. There's things like Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, which are very easily treated, and it can be diagnosed with an EKG. I didn't see a spent a couple hundred dollars to a cardiologist. We did our EKG in, in the clinic. And also certain medications can do it. Uh, certain uh, other medical conditions, thyroid, and that's a, that's a $3 lab test. Uh, you know, I get wholesale cost on labs mm -hmm. and I pass it on to the patient. We went through it all and it turned out this was caffeine sensitivity. So real estate agent, cut down on the espresso. <laughs> we've <Decaf>. heard <laughs> we've heard from other um, uh, medical providers that, that that a lot of times they just feel like they're working for the government or working for the insurance companies and that you know you it develops this picture of a doctor instead of facing their patients you know diagnosing them and, and you know talking to them about their conditions instead they've got their back to their patients you know working at the computer and now and now that I've heard this a couple times and having gone in for you know yearly checkups or whatever it is I'm starting to be really sensitive to this every time the doctor comes in and has to turn around and, and put their back. Is that one of the things that, you know, one, did you see that increasing as you were in, in private oh, practice? Yeah. And then two, how do you, how do you, you know, what's the innovation at, at a, you know, a direct primary care that, it, that prevents, you know, that from occurring? Well, I mean, the bureaucracies, government, corporate, whatever have, has made doctors into data entry clerks for billing purposes. Well, so I pointedly don't take my computer into the, when I go talk with someone. I, I take this um, old-fashioned technology, pen and paper. We'll call that, that's the innovation, pen and paper. And well, sometimes I'll bring my computer in to show graphs or lab values or things like that. But it's interactive with the person and we can sit. And instead of five to 10 minutes, by changing the model, getting rid of a billing department, um, I can actually sit and spend uh, 30 minutes very regularly with people. And we can sit and chat about things and get a better picture. Or usually my new patient appointments are an hour or even longer if they're more complex cases. So, you know, you're starting to hit on the next the next number two, the big point that, that I uh, mentioned at the top, which is accessibility. And that even if you have insurance or even if you have a doctor or you have, um, you know, whether it's private or you're on Medicare or Medicaid, um, a lot of times, especially with the government programs, it's going to take you months to get in to see somebody. Oh, yeah. So what is what is the solution? What are you seeing, you know, on the ground? What are the innovations that are that are helping to address those issues of accessibility. Yeah, for uh, Travis County, for example, community care, it's three months to get into a primary care appointment. So they end up driving people to the emergency room. So the simple innovations, uh, because Which I don't- drives up costs. It drives up costs tremendously. For, yeah. And you know, the ERs that are billing the counties, they don't mind. <laughs> it's the taxpayers <laughs> again. Curiously enough, the taxpayers are taking the bill. Yeah. Go figure. Uh, property taxes, we're working on that one. <laughs> the, um, the, some of the simple innovations by doing the membership model, taking away that billing, all that bureaucracy, well, I don't need to bring someone in to get paid. 
uh, for simple stuff, quite often I can handle things over the phone, email, uh, telemed. It's a combination of inpatient med and telemedicine. It doesn't have to be structured. So by doing all those simple things, we take care of a lot of stuff well ahead of time. And then it's really getting back to old fashioned, simple uh, treatment of what's going on. And then you can adapt how you're treating a person to what the actual medical condition is. You're not treating them according to what the bureaucracy requires mm-hmm. or the, the cumbersome part of it. So tough question for you. You know, I've explained direct primary care and uh, the models to other people, people I people that I think are very intelligent and very concerned about, you know, their, the cost of healthcare and that. And yet they're not quite, it doesn't, it almost doesn't sound real. You know, sometimes I have to like dial back some of the things I say about it. So for, for folks who are not, they're not necessarily interested in, you know, going through the looking glass, so to speak, um, on models that are foreign to them in terms of uh, healthcare pr- or providing healthcare. You know, if they just they have their employer health insurance, they have a doctor that they like. It may take them a little while to get in, or maybe they're not super happy with the bureaucracy around it and all of that. But are there, you know, are there public policy reforms? Are there, you know, other solutions? Maybe things they can do on their own, or or just in the how do we make that situation? better uh, for for most people who have you know your traditional form of health insurance and health care well it's um, some people will add on membership in our type DPC practice mm-hmm. I call it, you know concierge for those who work for a living you know at, because it's so easier and cheaper and all the rest of it they don't you're right they don't believe it well some people just add it on some people will use different innovation plans they'll just just use a catastrophic type health plan which uh, you know, seven, eight, nine thousand dollar deductibles before it kicks in, and so they use me uh, or uh, my other clinic uh, for everything, which is eighty to ninety percent of medicine, and then they have that catastrophic coverage for the big disaster. Then there's other people who use not health insurance at all, but use the health share plans, like the um, faith-based ones, like Samaritan or Christian Health Share, and non-faith-based ones, like Sidera, which is headquartered here in Austin and uh, founded by the same guy I founded Samaritan. And those are health cost sharing. So they're different, they're not insurance, but they still provide excellent catastrophic coverage. Now, like all things, there's uh, exceptions to everything. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of businesses, this is where a tremendous opportunity for real reform uh, exists. Because insurance companies make a lot of money on a variety of ways and they're just sucking in money. Mm-hmm. It's an editorial comment. And um, hospitals, which physicians can't own, by the way, in most places, or they have a variety of restrictions, they're also sucking in lots of money. Well, they lobby to keep the rules the way they are because they're getting rich, frankly. So who has the, the uh, firepower, so to speak, uh, politically, who can actually get involved? Well, large businesses. If they're the ones who can actually help push reform. And so we're working with uh, a couple companies, some small, some medium, and one large size, where we're doing some innovative practices where the direct primary care is uh, contracted with us. And then the self-funded catastrophic part or level funded um, underwriting for the major disasters that do occur in Fortune Life, mm-hmm. that's taken care of by the company. So the company has created, and the several businesses have done this very successfully, they have created a, a hybrid of direct primary care and an essentially an insurance, self-funded insurance system. And they can cut their costs. One business cuts 70% cost. Not, was this? I heard uh, Rudy's, which is familiar. Rudy's is doing this. Yeah, familiar yes. to a lot of folks in Texas. Rudy's actually uh, went to a model like this. Is that Rudy's right? doing a model like this, and um, uh, HB does it somewhat internally. Uh, Texas Disposal is actually looking into this as well, and so we're going to explore with them a good deal of things. Very uh, interesting company and in how they're able to look at innovations. So go ahead. Um, and then so uh, by combining all these things, they're 
they actually get better health. And it's one of the key things. I mean, what's the whole point of healthcare is better health. Mm -hmm. Not health coverage, as you say. You can say you have health coverage, but if, you know, it's like, I got a great car. Really? Does it work? No, but it looks good, <laughs> right? And so having that actual real better medical care, and one case study with a plumbing group, about 100 people in Nebraska, they cut their ER visits 90%. Mm -hmm. So you don't wait, don't wait for the blood sugar I mean, to get out of control. They can text the doctor healthier. at night and get things you know, taken care of. So while we have just a couple minutes left, I do want to get to this point. So we you know, talked a little bit about the system, certainly what you're dealing with and, and how you're trying to help patients. Um, and that's where I want to get to is this idea of, of patient empowerment. I mean, what we're, the, the anxiety right. that people have around healthcare really is this notion of, you know, I, I, I need insurance. You know, the world tells me I have to have insurance because if I don't have insurance and my kid gets in a car wreck, something bad's going to happen. So it's that, it's that security, it's that anxiety relief that they feel they have. Only then they realize they go to the insurer, nothing more frustrating than getting a claim denied or getting told that you have to right. pay you know, X, Y, and Z more than you thought you did. Um, so what, you know, in terms of innovations or reforms or maybe even just you know, conversations you're having with patients, how do we, you know, how do we ensure that the patients are the ones that are the center of this system, right? Like they're the ones that we're that we're concerned about from a public policy standpoint, which is making sure that patients have their resources that they need in order to feel like if something happens, you know, I'm able to take care of myself or my family and make it better. Right. It's very confusing to people like what kind of insurance and all these gold plans, bronze plans and all the rest of it, or what's a health share plan, which is a new concept to many people. So that's actually one thing we do to help educate because ultimately everyone's questions about healthcare comes down to their own individual case. Someone's a certain age, they're worried about leukemia because it's in their family or, or, or cancer, or they're worried about their children in a car accident, for example, or their own experiences from such. So I quite often have to, um, mold the conversation to what their personal experiences are. So what I do is provide a variety of assets and other direct primary care do this, usually, you know, website, give them the resources and explain to them, you know, here's a health insurance plan that works in this case. Here's a health share plan that works this, this case. What is your employer doing? Let's talk to your employer about it. And then you can give the people more options customized to what their particular healthcare needs. But it is a good deal of education for it. But the worst thing that people have and why they end up hitting the easy button on one of we call the Bukas, Blue Cross United Cigna, uh, the Buka monster, mm -hmm. uh, is um, you know when they understand, they just need to get a little more information. Don't hit the easy button based on fear, but they get a little more information, which we provide them because we live it every day. Mm -hmm. They can make the best decision for their family and get really good health care, quite often at half the cost and then find different options for where they want to get coverage uh, taken care of. Dr. Porter, that's all the time we have for today. As I promised to our audiences, these are short, sweet, and digestible. If you'd like to learn more about these policy issues or anything else that Texas Public Policy is working on, you can, of course, go to our website at texaspolicy.com. Dr. Porter, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Brian.